Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that prevents you from drawing more than the first card in your draw step while also giving you treasures, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm not only joined by the Dragonborn champion herself, Emma, but I'm also joined by a recurring special guest of the show. They are a prolific writer for EDH Rec and also their number one fanboy. The death tyrant himself, Angelo Guerrera, aka the Jess Guy on Twitter. How are we doing today? Hi everyone, uh, I'm back again. For better or for worse uh and i'm doing pretty good <laughs> so i don't know if you remember but last time i was on i just got over a head cold and that head cold ended up turning into a respiratory infection and uh it knocked me on my butt the past week so i'm doing much better uh as you could tell from my voice i did the tried and true sit on the couch pet my cat and play mass effect strategy and it nice. seemed to have worked so i'm pretty happy Classic. about that uh how are you emma yeah, um, I'm okay. I'm currently baking in, in Ipswich, England, because we're in the middle of a little heat wave, and it's very, very warm, and for context, it's about 32 degrees Celsius, and for, for freedom sort of temperatures, that Thank is you. about 90 to 91 <laughs> Fahrenheit, which is very, very warm. So I would like to complain, and I'd like to stop melting, please, and I'm sure Scott is the same, mm. because, you know. Oh, yeah. But in better news... Um, I got my second COVID jab just Tuesday gone, so it's nice to have that out of the way. So in a few weeks, I'll be fully immune, hopefully. Um, so that's nice. Otherwise, it's been a real like quiet week for me because I've just been busy with work, so I haven't really managed to play much Magic mm. or anything like that. Um, I did squeeze in a bit of Sonic Mania because I'm enjoying the retro and a bit of Zone of Enders in, in the small downtime that I've had this week. How about you, Scott? Nice. Yeah, well, uh, similar to yourself, I'm absolutely sweating my ass off here. Uh, it is, it's so warm. It's a little bit less warm here, but we're also less used to the warm. So <laughs> I feel I feel so vulnerable right now. <laughs> like I'm just I'm just a sad puddle. But apart from you know my current heat situation, uh, I've been playing more modern again this week. Uh, I'm still taking names with that budget hollow food deck, by the way. Nice. Uh, mm. It's fantastic. I'm playing it in the Irish Magic Discord, which is where I play Modern Weekly at the moment, and it's gotten the nickname Empty Calories. Love it. <laughs> I love it. Empty Calories, yeah. Which I believe I it, it was my friend Ian's doing, who's also a patron of the cast, so extra special thanks, Ian. And then my article this week is actually Card Kingdom's official pre-con upgrade guide for the Planar Portal pre-constructed deck, which, funny enough, we're actually going to be talking about in a few minutes. It's all about exiling cards and grinding out your opponents. It's so much fun to play. That is live on Car Kingdom now, so you can check that out after the show. Not before. Just wait till we're done. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've also been brewing a few new Commander decks, so because of that pre-con upgrade article, I've actually become obsessed with Exiled Matters. Yeah. And it turns out that you can do this in a lot of different colors and a lot of styles of decks. So I've been brewing Lelia the Blade Reforged, that exiles cards from the library and the graveyard in order to grow the Commander. And... Then also working on a Vega the Watcher deck, which is just super, super value-based, playing Flashback and Rebound and Fortel and all sorts of stuff. And finally, I got my Octavia Living Thesis deck to a point that I'm happy with, and it's a it's an absolute blast to play. Yeah. I'm just casting loads of spells and making my little bird tokens from my Murmuring Mystics into 8-8s, and oh, it's great. <laughs> nice. It's oh, really no. good. <laughs> If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so before we jump into the main section of the episode, Angelo, you're our guest this week. Yes. Have you got a card for us? A card of the week? Yes, I do. So I was writing the uh, gold set review for Adventures in the Forgotten Realms for EDHREC. Go check that out. And one of the cards that I was going over was Fighter Class. And Fighter Class is one of the new class enchantments when it enters the battlefield. Uh, you go grab an equipment from your deck and you put it into your hand. Uh, and then it also has two other levels. But just on that first level one right there, 
There's a couple analogs, Open the Armory, Stoneforge Mystic, Steel Shaper's Gift, uh, and the latter of the two are around $20 each. So if you're looking to pick up a good equipment tutor to put in any of your equipment decks, this is going to be cheap for quite some time, and I just pick one up. It also comes with equip reduction on level two, and then yeah. removal on level three, so it just seems like a shoo-in in any equipment deck. Yeah, it's a good call. Really good shout. So, what we're talking about today, this is a D&D Adventures in the Forgotten Realms Commander Precon Special. So, we are going to run through, with the help of Angelo here, all four of the pre-constructed decks that Wizards have given us with Adventures in Forgotten Realms. We're going to go through some notable new cards, some good reprints, and we're going to talk some budget upgrades and overall thoughts on each deck. So, Angelo, why don't you kick us off with the first one on the list? Yes, so uh, we're going to be looking at Planar Portal first, and I've got three notable new cards. The first is Wild Magic Sorcerer, uh, which is a creature that allows you to cascade whenever you cast your first spell from exile. The next is Hurl Through Hell, which is a four-mana instant that exiles a creature, and then you get to play that creature for as long as it's exiled. And then Fiendlash, which, which is an equipment that basically turns your creatures into a Brash Taunter. All three of these cards seem very good for multiple EDH decks. Wild Magic Sorcerer, good for Lelia, mm. uh, that you're building. Uh, good oh, for yeah. any deck that is a Cascade deck. It just seems really, really good in most red decks, because that's how red gets its card advantage. Curl Through Hell just seems like a really great removal spell. Uh, someone plays a Blightsteel Colossus, and you go, all right, cool, four mana, get rid of it, and now whenever I want it, I have a Blightsteel Colossus, a Consecrated Sphinx, whatever you want, just get rid of it, and then you get to play it later. And Fiend Lash is just a really good equipment. Uh, it pumps your creature, it gives it reach, and now it makes it so that if anyone wants to swing into you or block your creature you're still doing damage to them. So you can make it be offensive or defensive, uh, whichever you'd prefer. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really sweet. Yeah, the Planar Portal one, like, they're the three most notable cards I I would agree with as well. But it has some really, really cool cards in there. You know, there's the... I, I can't remember, is it Fevered Suspicion? Yes. Or something like this, like the eight-mana sorcery with rebound that basically just steals a pile of cards from your opponent's decks. Yep. Nice. Like, to me, if, if you want to cast, like, big splashy spells, that is the biggest and the splashiest. It's so good. Yeah. It's so silly. Uh, there's nothing more yeah. that I like than playing other people's cards. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. So... What kind of reprints are actually in this deck, Emma? Yes, there's a couple of good ones. Cards that are always going to be good in Commander, regardless if you decide to keep this deck together or not. So the first one's Vandal Blast, and Artifact Removal mm. is just great to have. The overload cost is really useful when you're in a Command Party and you want to sweep sweep all the Mana Rocks and so forth just to clear the board of any like big threats. Um, and then you've got Felvar Stone, which is always just a useful Mana Rock to have in your inventory. It's just always good to have. And more importantly, you got Disrupt Decorum, which was printed yes. in Commander 2017, I want to say. Yes. And that's currently $9 at the moment. And yeah, that just seems really good value. Jeez. If you're just picking up this pre-con for, what, $25, $30, you're getting a third of it back on this card alone. So yeah, the, the reprints seem quite good in this deck. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy that Fell War Stone is $3. Yeah. yeah. What's that about? It's a mana rock. It should not be that <laughs> it price. Should, it should have the Soul Ring treatment. It should just be in every pre-con. I think. Agreed. Just like going forward. Mm. Just like that and Command Tower. This you know, just all those three, just print them in every deck. An arcane signet, put that in there as well. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Like I know I know that like some people complain that the likes of, you know, Arcane Signet, Soul Ring, etc. kind of need to not necessarily need to, but like generally speaking would show up in the vast majority of decks and it feels like they need to be auto includes. Mm. But, you know, if they help the deck just operate well and just like smooth out the mana and the bit of acceleration and stuff i'm kind of fine with it mm. and i i'm absolutely on board with them putting it in every single pre-con like you said yeah yeah everyone's too worried about perceived homogenization of things yeah it's i find that it's better just to make sure that your deck does your things like yeah if every single ramp spell in every deck is the same that's fine but if the other you know 80 cards of the decks are different then everyone gets yeah. to do their stuff pretty much yep yeah. 
So let's talk a couple of budget upgrades. So I believe we each have a pick for a good budget upgrade. So Angela, what would be your pick? Uh, yeah, so I would go with Outpost Siege. Outpost Siege was included in the green-red deck, but not this deck. Um, mm. So I just got a reprint. It's pretty cheap. It's about 50 cents. And it just gives you either card advantage every turn, because it exiles a card off the top of your deck, you get to play it, uh, which goes really well with Prosper. Or if you need damage, uh, the other mode is whenever a creature you control dies, you get to deal one damage to something. So if you end up somehow going wide or stealing other people's creatures, uh, you can do that to maybe either ping some creatures or ping opponents. Sounds good. Emma, have you got any good choices? Yeah, so there's a good one from Kaldheim, um, which I remember when the set was getting previewed, a lot of people were excited about this card just for the potential sort of payoffs you can get with it, and that's Dream Devourer. So if you don't know what Dream Devourer oh, yeah. does, um, so for one generic and a black, you get a 0-3 Demon Cleric, and it reads, each non-land card in your hand without Fortel has Fortel. Uh, its Fortel cost is equal to its mana cost reduced by two. And during your turn, you may pay the two to Fatella, and that puts it into Exile, which is the important takeaway here, and it just plays into yeah. the whole Exile theme, which this precon has, and it's 50 cents. So it just seems a really good, clean upgrade. And also, if you ever want to get aggressive with the Dream Devourer, it does get plus two, plus zero oh for every time you Fatella at the end of turn. So you can get a bit yeah. aggressive with it as well. What about you, Scott? Very sweet. So I have one, but it's actually one that Angelo suggested. Uh, at first so <laughs> credit where credit's due it's angelo's thank you, suggestion thank you. that's academy manufacturer so it's three drop from modern horizons 2 and it basically says whenever you make a clue food or treasure you make one of each instead and with the amount of treasures that you're making you know you're just going to churn out some additional value in the form of food and clues so you could just draw more cards or gain a bit of life or use those artifacts for something else you know like i said earlier on in the show i did the precon upgrade for this and i wasn't 100 percent sure about adding this in myself because i didn't know if you would get some great use from it but the more i think about it the more i think it is a really really good choice here because i put in stuff like disciple of the vault and reckless fireweaver mm -hmm. in order to take advantage and get some reach out of the treasure tokens that you make and sacrifice so yeah, it seems like it might be really, really good because the deck seems really cool, but it seems like it it's kind of slow. Like, it doesn't have a very fast clock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like with a grindy deck like that, you want multiple ways to close out games, and mm. uh, using the artifact-based ways to do that seems fantastic. Yeah, sweet. So what are your overall thoughts on this deck, Angelo? Uh, so I think the deck overall is pretty fun and interesting. We don't have a lot of commanders that focus on playing cards from Exile. Uh, we, we've gotten a few recently, uh, like you were saying earlier, but overall it's still a relatively new space. And also with the treasure production, we haven't really seen that from the like in the command zone before. So I think that's a really cool angle to do, and both of those kinds of strategies are things that get supported in almost every set coming out. So there should be upgrades moving forward. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. All right. So the next one we're going to talk about is Aura of Courage. Now, this is the one that I haven't managed to actually take a full deep look into. So I'm going to be definitely giving the floor to yourself and Emma on this one. So take us through what this deck actually does in the first place. The Aura of Courage deck is all about suiting up creatures with uh, auras and equipment. And some of the notable new cards, uh, actually, all of the new cards are either equipment or auras. Uh, Watsi printed a lot of very good new equipments and auras for this deck. And the ones that I thought were the most notable are Winged Boots, Robe of the Stars, Holy Avenger, and Mantle of the Ancients. Mm. So, uh, Winged Boots is a blue equipment, and the equipped creature gets flying in Ward 4, which is fantastic. Every blue Voltron deck would want a card like this. Um, yeah. Robe of the Stars is a white equipment where the equipped creature gets plus zero, plus three, and then for two mana, the creature phases out, which, again, is fantastic. It doesn't blink itself, so nothing's going to end up falling off. It just phases out, so it's a great form of protection. Uh, Holy Avenger is another white equipment 
and the equipped creature gets double strike. And whenever the uh, equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you can take an aura from your graveyard and put it onto the creature, which is great. Decks like that really love recursion. And then Mantle of the Ancients uh, is a 5-mana aura that when it enters the battlefield, you get your auras and equipment back. Again, recursion is really important in decks like this, and having multiple ways to just bring things back after a board wipe, after removal, things like that are just fantastic, and we'll take yeah. all of them that we can get. Yeah, yeah, it looks really, really sweet. Some of these are huge upgrades for existing decks. Mm -hmm. And... Emma, when it comes to notable reprints, I assume we've got some good ones in here, right? Yeah, so if you are one of those commander players that like to pick the high value pre-con every time one of these comes out, just not necessarily to open, crack open and take the singles, you might do that, or one to just buy and just leave it and forget about it. And this is probably the best one to go for because the amount of reprints in this in this deck is absurd. So you have Basculus Collar, which is already a $4 artifact equipment, mm. which sees uh, Fringe Player Modern at the moment. You also have Sword of the Animus, which is probably one of the best equipments in Commander because it allows you to ramp in colors that don't often have access to ramp, so like white decks, for example. And that's $7 at the moment. Then you have Pure Steel Paladin, which is $8, which is another equipment artifact matters card because it allows you to draw cards that's eight dollars at the moment um you have heroic intervention which is one of the best sort of protected board wipes around in commander in green that is also eight dollars and also you have utopia sprawl which is ten dollars each at the moment because of because of modern <laughs> and helio company um and that is like one of the best sort of enchantment aura like land ramp spells you can have um and they're ten dollars at the moment so the, the reprints alone pretty much just pay for the pre-con and you think about it and then you get all the Basically, cool new yeah. stuff as well like wing boots it's insane mm. <laughs> they are some pretty good reprints yeah utopia's probably being ten dollars yeah like it's a common Helio it's Company. a com it was originally a common it's been printed twice it was printed in guild pact and in m25 and now <laughs> yeah Crazy. if, if manamorphose is anything to go by a couple of reprints does wonders for the price of a card yeah so when it comes to budget upgrades We've, uh, we've got a couple of bits here as well. Mm. Angelo, what would you choose? Uh, the first card that I would put in on a budget is Snake Umbra. Any of the nice. Umbras are great since they save the creature that they're enchanting from removal once. On top of that, Snake Umbra also buffs your creature, and whenever they connect with a player, you also draw a card. Not only is it a power toughness buff, not only will it save a creature from removal, but it'll also draw you cards the more aggressive you are and the more that you hit people with your creature nice yeah nice one um so my recommendation would be more of the skyclays from zendikar rising um it's probably one of the best equipments to come from like a standard set in a little while and the fact they're yeah. etbs and you there's no equip cost just seems really good because you really want to discount your auras and your equipment costs as much as possible because it means you can do more with your creatures and attack and stuff and you really want to get yeah. aggressive so having f flying and first strikes really good it just makes makes your creatures highly evasive i do have another one quickly that i just thought about mm -hmm. from modern horizons 2 resurgent belief i know we're not keen on um suspend cards but if you mm -hmm. want to reanimate your enchantment auras and you have creatures out in the battlefield that just might be another good one to add in as long as you have creatures in for the auras to attach because otherwise they stay in the graveyard but that might be another good one to add in as well which i think is quite cheap because no one's playing it at the moment so yeah nice yeah 100 percent. one thing about the model of the skyclaves i really like how wizards are doing a lot of the equipment recently which is when it first etbs it just automatically attaches to something yep. that makes it feel so much less bad <laughs> like, yeah uh, equipment can feel terrible to be like i'm gonna spend all of turn three playing this sword on the ground that does nothing yeah. then you gotta go spend more time equipping it to something else. like no thanks yep. you know? I, I hope they keyword that at some point that way yeah, they can just have a word mm -hmm. on most equipment, the t ones that are too powerful, you leave it off, and yeah. that's how you can balance things. You can actually make equipment good again. Yeah. Petition to make that keyword suit up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then my choice for budget upgrade, I actually kind of have two, but they basically do the exact same thing, and that's all the glitters and nettle cyst. Yes. Because... Yep. One, one's an aura that gives plus one plus one for each artifact and enchantment you control and Nettlesist does the exact same thing except it's an artifact with living weapon yeah 
they're both pretty cheap. They're about one to two dollars each. Yep. And like w- with this many ores and equipment and everything, this basically just says like quadruple the size of anything you have or more. So, also, yeah. I want to add on to that quite quickly. Um, Ancestral Mask is another good one that gets plus two, plus two for each enchantment on the battlefield. Yeah, that's pretty gross as well. Couple with everyone playing enchantments and stuff, that might be another good one to add in. It will make you the threat player straight away, but it's very powerful if you can <laughs> like make it hexproof or whatever. That's a good one for bagels. Yeah. Great, yeah. yeah. So, Angelo, what are your overall thoughts for the Aura of Courage deck? Uh, like Emma was saying, uh, this deck has the most value out of the four for reprints and then also i think for new cards as well uh it comes with brand new staples for almost all aura and equipment decks and this deck is great for upgrading pre-existing decks as well as being a great standalone on its own so if any of those things appeal to you i think this is probably the deck that you would want to get yeah yeah it seems really sweet now the next one is probably the strangest one out of the whole lot it's i think it's one of the most unique in terms of design and general archetype and that is dungeons of death so angelo run through with us here what does this deck look to do yes so with this deck we are looking to venture into the dungeon that's the mechanic from the new DD set where Mm. you can go into any of the three dungeons that are outside of the game available to you at all times And funnily enough, none of the notable new cards that I picked have a relation to the dungeons Mm. because this is kind of a a theme, unlike with Prosper, that you're only going to be getting from this set. You're not going to be getting anything from the new Innistrad sets. You're not going to be getting anything from the sets from next year unless they do another D&D set. So just real quick, to go through the new cards... I picked Rod of Absorption, Wand of Orcus, and Phantom Steed. Rod of Absorption is a three-mana artifact. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery, you exile it under it, and you can pay X, tap it, sack the rod, and you can play any of those cards as long as you've paid X. Mm -hmm. So any really good instant sorceries, removal spells, board wipes, you can pay whatever mana you want, and the total just cast all your opponent's spells. Wand of Orcus is another 3-mana artifact. This one is an equipment. And whenever the equipped creature attacks or blocks, zombies you control gain death touch until the end of the turn. And then whenever the equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you make a zombie. So it's just a zombie factory. Uh, A lot of commander decks are zombie-focused. And then also with the new Innistrad sets coming out, there's going to be, hopefully, some zombie support. And then the last one is Phantom Steed, who's a 4-3 for 4. Uh, it has Flash when it enters the battlefield. Uh, you exile another target creature you control until Phantom Steed leaves the battlefield. And then whenever Phantom Steed attacks, you create a copy of the creature that you exiled, tapped and attacking, and then you sacrifice the token at the end of the turn. So it's basically another great blink card where you can yeah. you know, use the Steed, Blink someone else out, blink the steed, get that in, just attack with the steed. Anything with ETB effects, any blink decks probably want to add in the steed as well. Yeah, absolutely. One thing, just on the Wand of Orcus, I was just reading it there. You said when it deals combat damage to a player, you create a zombie token. Reading it again there, it actually creates that many. So if it's like a seven power creature, that's 14 power on the board for you. Yeah, okay, cool. So I liked the card already, and then, you know, when I read the card again, uh, it just gets better. So yeah, wow, that card's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's absurd. Zombie players, you found your card at the set. There you yeah. go. So. <laughs> right, Emma, surely there has to be some good reprints in here, right? Yep, so like we've seen already, you've got Thalwar Stone, that's already reprinted in its precom, which is a nice one. Sweet. You've got Lightning Grease, which is always a great one to have uh, access to, because you just pretty much play it in any commander deck. Um, you've also got Propaganda, which is one that hasn't been reprinted a huge amount. That's $4 at the moment, yeah. it's a powerful enchantment for your blue decks. And more importantly, you've got a Phantasmal Image in the precom, which is $10 at the moment, because it sees play in modern, Oof. in the tribal decks, like the Spirits and Humans yeah. decks. Um, mm. and it's just a very powerful effect, so... Yeah, that that's a really great reprint for the for the precon as well. That's fantastic, actually. Yeah, really, really good. All right, so 
Angelo, what would you choose to be your number one upgrade card for this deck? Uh, yes, yeah, so while Sephiroth deals with venturing into the dungeon, she allows for a very interesting way to do that, which is whenever a creature enters the graveyard from anywhere. And so that gives a lot of reach to older mechanics like cycling. And so my budget pick would be Undead Gladiator, since it's a cycler that can keep recurring itself. Uh, you can just pay to put it into the yard, draw your card, and then for another two during your upkeep, you can discard a card to bring Undead Gladiator back to your hand. And that's a way to trigger Sephiroth on other people's turns, since they only allow you to go into the dungeon once a turn. Yeah, that's really sweet. And I've never seen Undead Gladiator before in my life. Ever? <laughs> I don't really? know how I've never seen this card before. That's sweet. Yeah. Um, so another good upgrade that I would recommend is one that Scott's quite keen on, and that is Sir Conrad the Grim from Throne of Eldraine. Oh, so good. Again, it echoes Angelo's sentiment. It's whenever another creature die effect, therefore, you know, um, all creatures put into the graveyard. You can just, you know, deal damage to people, and you can mill yourself as well, so you can fill up your graveyard as well. It just seems a really nice enabler for what you're trying to do. Um, and plus, it's like, mm. it can kill people, like, because it does damage to each opponent. It just seems quite powerful. And it's yeah. only and it's under a dollar, which is great. It's Sir Conrad's so good. So, so good. Actually, Undead Gladiator that you mentioned, Angelo, mm -hmm. will probably go really good in my Sir Conrad deck, so I'm going to pick mm -hmm. that up as well. Nice. Glad I could help. Speaking of cards in my Sir Conrad deck, I, there's another one that I have as a budget upgrade for the Dungeons of Death pre-con, and that is Tortured Existence. So it's one black mana enchantment that reads pay a black and discard a creature card in order to return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand so you essentially have a creature card in your hand a creature card in your graveyard and for one black mana they swap places yep. that is one mana trigger venture and that's yeah. incredible that's so powerful yeah like, that's really good the the thing about the Sephiroth deck is you need to make sure that you're venturing at least once a turn but you can only do it once off of Sephiroth so having instant speed ways to do that is amazing. And with Tortured Existence, just one black, you just get to do it on everyone's turn. Yeah, it's so, so sweet. So with this whole new dungeon adventuring archetype, Angelo, what are your thoughts on this deck? So I really, really like, for this reason specifically, why they're tying um, the commander decks to sets nowadays. Um, mm. you're able to have commander decks that embody a theme that normally would be relegated to just a limited archetype. Think Energy and Kaladesh. Um, yeah. If we had a Kaladesh precon, we would probably have an Energy Commander right now, but we don't. Yeah. But so with things like this, now we, we have a dungeon deck for EDH, which we wouldn't have had previously. So I just think that on its own is really cool. Uh, that said, Sephiroth is really interesting, the deck is really cool, and also Sephiroth gives this deck longevity because any creatures that can go into the graveyard or any effects that can put creatures into graveyards will trigger Sephiroth, will let you go through the dungeon, and we get cards like that in almost every set. So there won't be as many upgrades as maybe the Aura of Courage deck from every set, but there'll hopefully be at least one or two cards every set for you to just put into this deck if you buy it. Yeah, nice. And then the final one is the one that I was actually sent by Wizards. So I actually have a little bit of experience with this deck. It's Draconic Rage. Look, it does exactly what it says in the tin. It's the Barbarian deck that just goes really angry and makes a lot of dragons when, so, essentially so scott as you played it um do you just shout at people while you're playing it in true barbarian <laughs> fashion yeah well you see i i would be more of a of a modest barbarian um, ah i see oh interesting mm, a yeah, barbarian yes. of class i see yes a barbarian class no a barbarian <laughs> class barbarian of class <laughs> yes me me no barbarian me bard anyway <laughs> a, a barbarian I am a barbarian, probably, maybe. Ooh. I don't know. M Multi-classing, I see. <laughs> you slice people's heads while breaking into song and dance and opera. Yeah, I break necks on beats. Yeah. Anyway. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. 
<laughs> no, I'm I'm really soft. Don't mind me. Um, so, Angelo, take us through the sweet new cards from this set. Yes, or from so, from this from the set. Take us through every single card in the set, Angelo. On it, one by one. Five I will be special. your guide. Let's yeah. go. Strap in for an LR sized review. <laughs> Uh, I do not have the the liquid still in my brain at this point <laughs> to evaporate. survive. I'm just turning. Uh, Strap in, everyone. I'm desiccating. I'm desiccating as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the no- notable new cards from this deck, I have yes. five: um, <laughs> Clouth, Unrivaled Ancient, Wolfgar of Icewind Dale, Clouth's Will, Druid of Purification, and Dragonborn Champion. Mm-hmm. Um, so Clouth is one of the alternate commanders. Uh, they're a seven-mana dragon, 4-4 uh, four, four, flying haste. Whenever Clouth attacks, you add X mana uh, in any combination of colors to your mana pool where X is the total power of attacking creatures, and you can spend that mana only to cast spells. That's absurd. Red-green decks are some of the biggest and beefiest, so every time you attack with Clouth, you're going to refund your mana, basically, because you're going to have creatures on the board already. Clouth is absurd. He's, uh, he's an extremely oh. savage vent maw, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the most right savage event maws. Love it. <laughs> um, the uh, second, the, the tertiary commander, I guess, yeah. uh, Wolfgar of Icewind Dale is a 4-4 four, for four, 5. He has melee, and he's the pain harmonicon. Uh, whenever <laughs> a creature you control attacking would cause an ability to trigger... It triggers an additional time. This, again, is absurd. Gruul has some of the best attack triggers in the game. Mm. And while I would have loved to see this in Boros, having this in Gruul is amazing. He's not that great out of the box with this deck, but he can helm a great commander deck on his own. Yeah. The third card is Clouth's Will. It's an instant for red, red, green, and X. And uh, it's part of the will cycle that we're apparently going to be seeing moving forward. It's from Commander Legends. And so you get to choose one of the modes. And if you control your commander as you cast the spell, you get to choose both. And one mode is it deals X damage to each creature without flying. And the other mode is destroy up to X target artifacts and or enchantments. Yeah. This card is monstrous. It just wipes the board for, of everything that you need. Especially if you have your commander. It's versatile and just very powerful. Yeah. The fourth card is Druid of Purification. It's a 2-3 for 4, and when it enters the battlefield, starting with you, each player chooses an artifact or an enchantment that you don't control, and then you destroy each permanent chosen this way. Uh, It's great. It's basically Green's version of Council's Judgment. Yes. Uh, And... It, it can never hurt you. Yes, everyone can choose the same thing if they wanted to, but more often than not, you're hitting two or maybe even three things with this every time it enters, and there are plenty of decks that can take advantage of that kind of enter-the-battlefield effect. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is one of my favorite cards from the deck. It's, it's so very strong. good. Because at the, at the very least, like it's kind of Reclamation's Age, yep. but the, 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 the ceiling on this is so high. Yeah, it's Rex Sage for one more mana that can hit up to two more things. Good yeah. right. It's a really good right. Yeah. Um, and the final card is Dragonborn Champion, uh, which is a 5-3 for 4 with Trample. And whenever a source you control deals 5 or more damage to a player, draw a card. This is creatures, burn spells, anything. If you control it and it hurts a player, mm-hmm. you draw a card. Or well, hurts a player for five or more damage, but that's not going to be too hard and gruel. This is the color. These are the colors that can do that. So it's just another great card advantage enabler in these colors, and it's a dragonborn, and I really like them, and we should have more of them in Magic. I agree. They're yeah, really neat. they're really sweet. So, with this deck, there are one or two reasonable reprints, but there's a lot of them that are just a little bit on the on the lower end of the scale. Like they're a little yeah. bit cheaper but getting a reprint now means that they're not going to continue up which is quite nice Correct. so take us through a few of those emma what you got yep so you got a smattering of lower value reprints which are bound to go up at some point but you're still getting a good good value out of the box so you're getting stuff like mm. dragon master outcast you're getting terror mount velus you're getting terrier mauler scourge of Alicus. these are all like two dollars two dollars fifty and you know that mm. it, all, it all does add up 
Um, and then you got stuff like Dragon Speaker Shaman, Gratuitous Violence, that's like $3 to 350 And more importantly, you're getting a copy of Kindred Summons, which at the moment is $11. Um, Oof, so I believe wow. it's only been printed in a in Commander 2017. So there's seemingly yep. going through all the 2017 like high value cards and just reprinting them in this in this uh, this set of Commander decks, which is really good. So yeah, like if you want to grow smash stuff, like Kindred Summons, like a really good one to have, and it's probably just going to go back up again at some point because they're not going to reprint it for another two to three years. So yeah, yeah, some sweet reprints in this one. When it comes to budget upgrades, Angelo, have you got a card that you would love to see in this deck? Yes. I want you, listener, right now, if you buy this deck, to add in Dracuseth Maw of Flames as quickly oh. as possible. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that Gross. card, yeah, that card is, first of all, absurd, and second of all, only keeps going up. Uh, I've seen it go up from $1 to $150 to $2 to $250, now it's at 3 uh, it's just a big 7-7 seven, seven dragon that deals 3-3 three, three, and 4 damage to whatever you want whenever it attacks. It is just absurd. It goes in your Wolfgar deck, it goes in your Clouth deck, and it even goes into the Vrondis deck because you can have Dracoseth deal 3 to Vrondis and trigger his Enrage. So no matter how you're building this deck, Dracoseth is just a great card to add into it. That's sweet. Yeah, I love a good Dracuzette. And my recommendation is one uh, from Zendikar Rising because all the DFC cards tend to be quite good in Commander decks and Kalani Ambush seems a really good one for this precon just because you get to fight creatures and because your creatures are so much more powerful you just want to fight stuff and draw cards. Um, and this just yep. seems a really good one for 25 cents. If you don't want it, you can turn it into a land. Also, on a side note, you should pick, probably pick up a Goblin Archaeomancer as well because that discounts your Gruul spells which from Modern yep. Horizons 2. Uh, that's very cheap yeah. at the moment. That feels like a staple in any Gruul deck. So, yeah, and it discounts like your Dracosev and stuff. So it just seems great. Um, just pick up that for like, I don't know, it's like 20 cents as well. I think it's really cheap at the moment. But just yeah. feels like a slam dunk. So, so good. 100%. And one again this is another one that was suggested by angelo but i'm going to steal it to make it seem like i've actually done my homework for this <laughs> and that is naeth of the dire hunt so four mana three three a human warrior and whenever one or more of your creatures that you control either fight or become blocked so can the ambush helps with this you draw a card and at the beginning of combat on your turn you can pay two and it's hybrid gruel mana so red or green if you do you double target creatures power until end of turn and that creature must be blocked this combat available. So if you put this on a big trampler, make them enormous, you'll be pretty much guaranteed to draw a card and deal a good bit of damage. There's, like This is just all upside. There's so many good parts to this. Like Every bit of this card is going to be used positively in the deck, which is really yeah. nice. So what are your thoughts on this one, Angelo? So first of all, I think this is the deck with the best spread of commanders overall. Uh, all three of them are very powerful, they do un unique things, and they do them in different ways. And while they all might not be good in each other's decks, I think they'll be great as just standalone commanders, which can't be said for a lot of other commander precons. On top of this, if you're looking to smash, if you're looking to go big, this is the deck for you. This is the, the aggressive aggro deck of the four. This is the one that just wants to beat people. And this is also the one that involves dice rolling. It involves dice rolling tangentially. So if you want to yeah. do that with Rondis, you can. But you could just ignore it if you want. You don't need this to be the dice rolling deck. This could just be the big Rondis smashy dragon deck. And that's also great. Um, I'm building a red-green dragon deck right now. Mm -hmm. And this is the deck that I'm going to be picking up. Just because it has so many really good cards for that kind of archetype. So, pretty stoked yeah. about this one. Yeah, it's really cool. Again, this is not my kind of deck, but, you know, Wizards sent to me, I figured I'd try it out. It is fun. I will say it is definitely fun. Like, you're, you're getting some good value. Like, it gets out of control if you're given enough time to set up. And I will say, like, dice rolling may not be your thing necessarily, but I would absolutely try it in this deck because it is a lot of fun barbarians yeah. class reduces the variance in the dice rolling the likes of bag of tricks i was talking about this on twitter recently is absolutely absurd 
Um, you know, I got a free Bogard and Hellkite. I got a free Chameleon Colossus off of it. I got all sorts of stuff. And that little bit of excitement and randomness, but it's not really randomness as such. Like, you don't know what you're going to get, but whatever you get, you've put it into your deck with the express understanding that this might be something that you might get off this, you know? So, yeah, it's it's just really, really fun. The randomness, I think, definitely adds to it, even if it is just mostly perceived randomness, I think. But yeah, very fantastic deck, gotta yeah. say. D- dice rolling is better than coin flipping. Fight me. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually only having this conversation with a friend of mine the other night and they were like oh, I don't know about dice rolling because I don't like coin flipping and I was like coin flipping is a binary thing where either you succeed or you fail this has a range and as long as you're okay with the low end then you're 100% okay with the card because if you're okay with just getting the, the worst possible outcome then everything else is just gravy it just yep. feels so much better than when you hit when you hit that, that 20 the one time and like it, it pulls you way ahead and you're like yes this feels so good yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. But that is it for the breakdown of the precons. I'm going to ask both of you, if you had to pick one of these decks to pick up, which one would it be? I'll start with yourself, Angelo. Gruel Smash! I want the dragon deck. I love big scaly boys and beating people and ramping. Green is absurd and I want to channel that. That is fair. Yep. And yourself, Emma? I will pick up Aura of Courage because I really like Bagel Star decks and it just seems right up my street. That's a no-brainer for me, so. <laughs> That's fair. If Wossie didn't send you a deck, what would you uh, pick up out of the four? I, I would probably go for the Planar Portal one. Like I said, I, I did become a little bit obsessed with the Exile Matters kind of themes and I do like the weird changing between different zones in order to accrue different things and yeah it just feels really cool it, like I'm not normally one for a value deck but it's just real neat I like I know I feel like we use that an awful lot to, like, as a cop as a cop out to just be like I don't want to go into depth as to why I'm explaining this but like god damn it it's so warm right now my brain is just not functioning yeah. <laughs> about it's, it's really sweet <laughs> yeah, it's really sweet. If you if you want to read more about the Planar Portal one, like I said, I have the upgrade guide on Card Kingdom this week, so you can go check that out. But yes, yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, they all look awesome. And I played against the Dungeons of Death one there on Mr. Bever's stream last night, and that thing went off. Absolutely yeah. went off. It was fantastic. So I, do, I think no matter which one you pick, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Mm. It's just whatever no. one seems coolest. Yeah, commander decks nowadays are constructed very well. They're not like the 2011 or 2013 commander decks where you buy something and you kind of get stranded because there aren't enough lands or there's not enough ramp. Like every deck has at least 10 ramp spells and like eight card draw spells and good creatures and other spells in them. So there isn't a bad choice nowadays. Yeah, for sure. They have a couple of weird cards that, like, when you draw them, when you're first trying out the deck, you're like, why is that there? You know, like, the Planar Portal one has Piper of the Swarm. Yeah. Where you sacrifice rats to gain control of creatures. Like, why is that there? Yeah, <laughs> there's no rat sub-theme. N- no, but there's, like, a stealing sub-theme, which is something that Piper can do. Yeah. I think... It's, no, it's, I'm, not, super minor, I'm not defending like, yeah. it. Trust me, that's like, that's a cut. <laughs> As much yeah, as I love stealing things, that is not a card I like to use to do that. <laughs> All right, so that's it for these decks. Uh, Emma, before we close off, have we got any Q&A? Yes, we've got a small smattering of questions this week. Uh, the first one is from Pullicon. They ask, all in all, is Ragavan the nimble pilferer overrated? Um, no, I'm going to assume, so. assume in the context of modern and you know the constructive formats are not Commander. Yeah. And my answer is no. It's very, very good. There's a reason a lot of people are just slamming four in every red deck possible. I think I think when it comes to it, I, it kind of depends on what you necessarily mean by overrated. Because, like, is it, like, the best one drop in modern? I, I would say yes. Like, I don't think it's particularly close. close with that, but... Yeah, it is. It's very close. You reckon? Yeah. Dragon Rage Chandler is the problem, not Rugavan. That's true. That's I wouldn't say it's... the 
I wouldn't say it's surprising. You know, to be perfectly honest, I actually forgot Dragon Rage Channeler existed for a moment, despite the fact that I actually play Is It Blitz and there's <laughs> yep. a full place there. So yeah, I like that goes to show you how like smooth my brain has become. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I I think Rugavon's good, but I think it's overrated in the context of Dragon Rage Channeler because one's an uncommon, one's a mythic. But I think Channeler is more of an issue issue quote unquote than Rugavan is. Dragon Rage Chandler is just a strictly better Delver that fuels itself and gives you card selection. I think the monkey's very, very good. I would not spend the amount of money to get said monkeys, because no one should spend that much on a magic card. But the card is very, very good. So we got a tweet from Evie the Mage ninety seven, they ask, so listening to the EDH Redcast this week, I, I know those guys. Yeah, you should know those guys. Um, <laughs> this week, I came to the horrifying realization that Utopia Sprawl is ten dollars, as we mentioned earlier. Ah, for anyone, you know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for anyone looking for green one-drop ramp and doesn't have a copy, my advice is to pick up Wild Growth for fifty cents, since it's almost hundred percent the same thing. Which is not a bad budget placeholder, to be, to be fair. If you if you don't pick up the the pre-con with the mm. Utopia Sprawl, it seems fine. Also, they have a question. So, aside from Demi Lich, what are some of the cards you think would be good for modern? A friend of mine is brewing with the Innkeeper in a Cocoa Shell, but can't find anything that scratches the itch in the set. Hmm. I quite like the Manlands. I think that's my. I've seen them cropping up in modern. I think they're quite good. And yeah, the the single color Manlands, the cycle. I think they're quite good, especially the red one. Yeah, that's a good shout. That mm. would be my one. Yeah. Also, um. the Treasure Land is also very good. I think yes. that's probably my pick, yeah. that That's an absurd card. Yes. It's because it's yeah. from for, for Affinity. Yeah. Yikes. Angelo. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. What do you think, Angelo? I mean, I don't know. That That's the thing. Like, I, I dabble in modern. I have two modern decks. And I'm looking... Or I've looked through the cards, and I'm, I'm looking through again, and nothing... Yeah. particularly stands out which is honestly a good thing because ever since what throne we've been getting like 10 plus cards that are modern playable mm. each set yep. and on the heels of modern horizons 2 it's probably good that we kind of take a break for a second uh so if all that's really playable are lands uh <laughs> i will ha i will happily endorse play some lands and yeah. keep the rest in standard okay. Uh, and lastly, we got a question from Snapbolt Boral. They asked, "Best beer to consume cold, and the best beer to consume at room temperature." Mm. I would not consume any beer right now because the room temperature is way too warm to appreciate good beer. <laughs> so I'm I'm not much of a drinker in general. So I'm going to sit back and let more knowledgeable people answer <laughs> okay. this. Um, so for me, <laughs> I'll, I'll kick things off. If it was like any beer, if if this is on preference, not on best, because I don't think you can have a best beer because everyone has sort of like different taste buds and flavors are subjective yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, so the best beer to consume cold for me would just be like a Delirium Tremens, which is just a Belgian, mm. um, just standard ale, and that's lovely. Um, and the best one to consume at room temperature, I'd probably have a stout if the the season requires is correct. So like in autumn winter time, I would have like a a vanilla stout. They tend to be quite nice at room temperature. So. Again, I'm not really a whole lot of a drinker anymore either, but when it comes to room temperature stuff, I'm going to be honest, that doesn't appeal to me basically at all, uh, because I went to Sonosphere Festival, which I found out that Emma, you were at at the same time, yes, about we 10 were. years ago. Yes, we were. <laughs> and when we got there and we set up our tent, we went around the corner to the supermarket. The only thing that was left was room temperature fosters, Ugh. and that ruined all room temperature beer from now until the end of time. So you could blame room temperature fosters yeah. at Sonosphere Festival for that. When it comes to beer cold, I think I'm, I'm, I'm quite simple when it comes to beer tastes, despite the fact that like I don't really even have it that often. I really love Pabst Blue Ribbon. It's just really mm. good. <laughs> like it's kind of just nondescript. It's, it's as close to like nearly carbonated water. That's just crisp. It's just it, there's just something about it. But if I wanted to try and sound a little bit fancier, I would say something like Blue Moon. You know, Blue with Moon's the lovely. Slice. Yeah, I that like cold Blue is Moon. real good. Blue Moon's very good. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. So, real quick, just to interject, mm. because I have no knowledge of alcohol, 
I've continued to look through the list of cards from the set. And I think the Black Staff of Waterdeep is modern playable. There are more pairs of scissors for the scissors deck that I love. Nice. So just <laughs> jumping back to that, that's my choice. Nice. Anyway, nice. continue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anywhere to continue from that. I think we're done. Yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> All right. So, Angelo, thank you once again for coming along and helping us wade through the frankly absurd number of cards that we got through the Adventure in the Forgotten Realms pre-cons, what each of them do, and the overall thoughts and some upgrades. So, before we sign off, give us a little spiel. Where can everybody find you? What do you do? What's your favourite cat? It's obviously Frankie. I know yeah, that, but, yeah. 100%. Uh, so, first of all, thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate no when I'm able to come on and talk to everyone and talk Commander. I love it. But yes, so uh, I'm a writer for EDH Rec. Uh, make sure you go check EDH Rec out. We have a, a slew of great writers. Uh, check out Commander's Herald, uh, our sister site. Another slew of great writers. We have the EDH Wiki, which we also created. We don't manage it, but we create it. It's a wiki. Um, so go check that out. Uh, check out the EDH Rec cast. And you can find me personally on Twitter at the Jess Guy. I go over Commander stuff, Magic stuff. Um, basically anything magic related and fun so if that is up your alley come hang out and uh, until then I'll hopefully see everyone soon again sweet thank you for listening to us here at the BM cast and a special thanks to our patrons at the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, and Christopher McCarthy. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, A Nice Planeswalker, Nurblin, Everett Brogan, Tom Telford, Alex Gibson, Jeff Eaton, and Bo Schwartz Madsen. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.